Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Springsteen fans, welcome back to Springsteen Time 70, the limited podcast series by NJ.com examining 70 of Springsteen's greatest songs. Um, Today, I am here with Brent Johnson, who is a political reporter. Just stay with me for a second. He's a political reporter for NJ.com and the Star-Ledger, but this guy knows music better than pretty much anyone I know, especially a political reporter. And he is the frontman for the Clydes, which is an awesome uh, rock band from New Jersey. Probably the best band to ever come out of East Brunswick. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to put that out there. So, Brent, how are you today? Great. I'm really honored to be here. It's uh, always, always a pleasure to talk about Bruce. Let's go right into it. What is your favorite Bruce Springsteen song of all time? Growing up, easily. Growing it's, up. I'm, I like early Bruce the best. <laughs> he was at his best from like 72 to 78. And uh, I was once asked this, I was, I I interned for Sports Illustrated many years ago, and we did this road trip across America. Mm -hmm. And uh, they heard that I was in a band, I was like 20 at the time, Mm -hmm. I was going to Rutgers University at the time. And they were like prodding me to do an open mic night. And they were like, you got to do a Bruce song, you're from New Jersey, like, do a Bruce song. And and they were like, what Bruce song would you do? And I said, well, growing up, it was the first Bruce song I learned how to play on guitar. And it just like epitomized a, what I think is best about Bruce a really well-constructed pop song sung with energy and that's immediately catchy and instantly memorable. Okay. Well, I enjoy that song very much. I enjoy it so much that because we are covering covering songs 60 to 51, it is not in this group (laughs) of songs today. Um, So, but let's get right into it. So we're going to go through 10 songs right now uh, and talk about why they're great, things we like, things we don't like, legacies, origins, little fun facts, and I even have a trivia question for you at the end of this. Wow. Okay, let's kick it off with song number 60, a studio outtake from 1973. That was The Fever, uh, a studio outtake from 1973. Most people never heard that, into, unless you were like a crazy Springsteen fan who was calling out The Fever, like in the 70s. Like that <laughs> one, the one, there was one guy in Houston, uh, it's actually in a Brian Hyatt from Rolling Stone's new book, um, which tells a great story about uh, a guy in Houston who at every show when Springsteen would come in the 70s would yell out The Fever and like no one knew what that was. The song came out on 
1999 on the 18 tracks CD, which was like a shorter version of the gigantic, like 60 something song tracks box set, um, which came out a year earlier. Um, so if you just wanted the best of that box set in one place, you could get on the CD. And this was, and this was a, a never before released track until then. Um, so Brent, did you know this song already? Yeah. You know what? I, I vividly remember 1999, I was about 16 years old and I vividly remember going to Sam Goody music in Brunswick square mall in East Brunswick to buy 18 tracks because I couldn't afford to buy the full <laughs> tracks record and the fever was on there. And that was my favorite song of the ones that was on there. Uh-huh. Because again, like I said, my favorite year uh-huh. of Springsteen is 72 to 78. Mm-hmm. Um, he did a lot of chameleon shape shifting at that time. And, and the fever is a good example of, of that. Yeah, and it was uh, so, and it's actually one of the one of the first things he ever recorded. It was recorded in '73, but he wrote it in 1971. Originally called "Fever for the Girl," and uh, he recorded it during the uh, the Wild Innocent in East Street Shuffle recording session at uh, 914 Sound Studios in New York, which is where "Greetings" was recorded, where "Wild" was recorded, where "Born to Run" was recorded, or some of it was recorded. He did it all in one take and like never even considered putting it on the album. And I mean, I get why it's not on the album like it the the clip that we played was two minutes in it really takes that long to really get to the chorus and it's like a long build-up but i mean it's a really pretty build-up though one thing i was thinking i went and listened to all these songs again Mm -hmm. i knew most of these Mm -hmm. that we're talking about i went and listened again last night and one two things hit me one just like the beatles the great thing about Bruce is that even his second-rate songs are pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> you know, if, if you know, if you listen to songs on like "Yellow Submarine" by the Beatles, they're not the best Beatles yeah. songs, but you're like, those are probably the best songs that like Herman's Hermits would have released. <laughs> and Bruce is the same thing. That the Fever's not not. And first of all, "Wild and Endless" is my favorite album he uh-huh. ever made. I th- still think you can say all you want about "Born to Run," "Born in the USA." It's the pinnacle of Bruce. It is seven perfectly crafted songs uh-huh. that sh- play off his talents. And the fever doesn't fit. It, it yeah. wouldn't. It would slow down that album. It's true, yeah. And uh, But it also shows he's a really good soul singer. That's number yeah. two. Bruce doesn't get a lot of props for his voice because sometimes uh-huh. he sounds gruff and sounds like you know he's trying to squeeze some vocals out. Uh-huh. But he's, he, his, his voice fits that like 1960s soul singing pretty well. Yeah. A weird fun fact about that song, it was actually used in a 2007 film called Lucky You, uh, which starred Eric Bana and Drew Barrymore. Right. I know you love Drew Barrymore. I do. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and it also uses uh, Lucky Town on that soundtrack. So the uh, the director, Curtis Hansen, I don't know who that is. He but, directed L.A. Confidential. Oh, great. Oscar nominee. Great. Uh, <laughs> so that was The Fever at number 60. Let's move on to number 59. In the Okay, that was number 59, uh, Streets of Fire from Darkness on the Edge of Town, 1978. One of the songs that probably doesn't get as much credit as some of the other ones, but I think that the reason that I have this one at number 69 and not lower is because the performance on it, that there is so much unbridled emotion. Like He doesn't even sound like himself on a lot mm-hmm. of it, which I appreciate. I think what sets Darkness apart from born to run even though the stuff was written not that far apart is there's like a 
different level of passion on Darkness, where I feel like Born to Run, he was trying to make the rock album of all time, and then Darkness was like really like letting the feelings yeah, out. a lot of rawness. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, if you look at his first three records, which is, you can take them as a cluster, because yeah. they, they're more, the lyrics are more sprawling, there's a lot more chord changes going on, and, and when you're growing up and learning how to play Bruce's songs, like me and every kid from New Jersey did when we picked up guitars, you learn the early stuff is harder to, to learn and harder to grasp, and Darkness is where he started to play the kind of rock music that everybody could relate to, not just lyrically, but musically. In fact, the chords to this song are very similar to the title track of Darkness. Mm-hmm. It's a G to an E minor, mm-hmm. and it has you know the same quality to it, but one, it has a fantastic organ intro mm-hmm. from Danny Federici, which yeah. is just brooding and church-like. Yeah. And then his guitar solo, if you had to pick like a guitar solo that is quintessential Bruce, that's right up there. The Streets of Fire solo is really, it almost cries. Mm-hmm. He's a very, he, his guitar playing almost like weeps. So I always like about Bruce is an underrated guitar player. He's often overshadowed by Nils Lofgren in his band. But Bruce is, Bruce is really good. Yeah. We're going to hop off the song in a second, but one good quote from uh, Jimmy Iovine, who uh, was in the room, and he said, you know what was really something else? Witnessing Bruce sing Streets of Fire live in the studio, it's still one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. How his voice did that, I will never understand. So we'll leave it at that from Jimmy Iovine, somebody who has worked with everyone in the last like 40 years. On to number 58, which is a personal deep cut favorite of mine. That was Little White Lies at number 58, a track that is actually pretty new to most people. It just came out on the Ties That Bind the River collection, the box set that came out in 20, the end of 2015, mm. the ep- the most epic Christmas gift you could have gotten in mm. 2015. What I love about this song, and I love this song way more than I probably should, because it, it's like, it could be almost like a punk song. It's or a like, new wave, yeah. Yeah, and it, it's it's got it like... Beats per minute wise, it's got to be one of his fastest songs. Yeah, over one fifty. Yeah. First of all, I didn't really know this song until you put this on the list. So yeah. and it was like a surprise. Yeah. Like, That's why a we're here, man. Song? Yeah. yeah. That was like what a really what a really awesome song. And yeah. I always have a love hate relationship with the river because for the longest time I thought it should have been one album. There's a lot of stuff yeah. on there like Cadillac Ranch or I'm a Rocker that I yeah. I'm not a huge fan uh-huh. of. You probably could have streamlined yeah. it. I hate Ramrod. Yeah, that's, Ramrod. That's the one that I would get rid of. Great yeah. example. But uh-huh. I almost wish he put it on there. Like yeah. this could have been like a hit song. And Bruce mm-hmm. has a lot of those songs that probably could have been hit songs. Obviously mm-hmm. he gave away a lot of songs that were hit songs to other people. And he almost sounds like it almost sounds like an Elvis Costello record or Graham Parker and the Rumor. Mm-hmm. I read somewhere when I was younger that Bruce, for every song he releases on a record, Bruce wrote wrote four mm-hmm. other songs. Mm-hmm. And it's much different. Who my, my favorite artist growing up was Billy, Billy Joel. Billy Joel, yeah, we knew it was who, coming. Yeah. Who only wrote one, like whatever he put on his record was pretty much whatever he, he mm-hmm. wrote. And Bruce would be like, oh, I got seven songs compared to that. And as a kid, that marveled at me because I'd be like, how, how do you do that? Like, yeah. How do you find the time and the energy and, and mm-hmm. the talent? Yeah. But this is definitely one of Bruce's could have been hits. What a great song. Really yeah. great song. Yeah, and uh, and it's funny because at this time in his life, he's living in a farmhouse in Homedale, you know, near PNC Bank Art Center. Uh, if anybody comes to New Jersey for concerts, uh, and he's just like pumping out these songs. And I, they cut. I mean, if twenty songs made it on the album, I forget how many they actually cut. I think it was well more than double that. I yeah. think. Um, 
And th- this is an interesting one because uh, most of the lyrics from the song Loose End, another unreleased song, are squeezed on here. Like the Bruce would do the do this thing where he would sort of have have the have the lyrics written and then he would like lay it over different songs and see what actually fit. Um, so it ended up, I guess, the most complete version that came was this studio I take from 1979 um, of Little White Lies. Um, so. I don't know, man. I gotta like once we get once we finish this, I think I'm gonna go listen to it again. It's, it's like a, I haven't gotten sick of it yet. And it's also when Bruce stopped again, like we talked about his early period where he was like sprawling and all these chord changes. Mm-hmm. This was he was more direct. The the chord changes are rock and the lyrics are more direct. It was like a new Springsteen almost. Yeah. All right. That was Little White Lies at number fifty eight. And here's number fifty seven from an era that a lot of people would probably like to forget. That was number 57, I Wish I Were Blind, from Human Touch, 1992. And an album that, uh, of of that and Lucky Town, I mean, Human Touch, I think is, personally, I think is far superior, but uh, I know that not a lot of people love this, and uh, I'd love to hear your argument against this at number at number 57. It's, it's, I keep going back to my childhood, but obviously I'm, I'm a Jersey kid who loved Bruce from, from birth, pretty much. And this, these were the first two records I went out and bought, and obviously I wasn't alive when most of these records came out, but when Human Touch and Lucky Town came out, from what I had heard from that record, I was like, I'm not buying those. So I didn't buy those at Camelot Music in East Brunswick. Oh, um, and I just remember being like, because it sounded like, you know, Bruce doing Michael Bolton or some sort of adult <laughs> contemporary thing. And I always say the keyboards in the 90s mm-hmm. held up much worse than keyboards in the 80s. Oh, yeah. I don't know where what sound banks they were using on their synthesizers in the early 90s. Yeah. Where like they're like, oh, this sounds cool. Let's put this on there. Yeah. I mean, the, it's Springsteen with like almost 1960s direct lyrics mm-hmm. played over 90s adult contemporary middle yeah. of the road melodies. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's fine. There's nothing yeah. offensive about it. You yeah. know, it's so a couple things. One, Human Touch. I love just a couple songs on it. I love I love the title track. I love. 57 channels which is such a ridiculous song and that so the fact outdated. that he the <laughs> fact that he cut that and the fact of how outdated it is now just makes me happy and then i wish i were blind is like the quintessential like sort of soft rock ballad but it, the message like of seeing a girl or guy you wish you were with and then they're with somebody else and like mm-hmm. i wish i were blind like i wish i hadn't seen that i mean I, I i get that i mean i'm much more a 1998 guy but yeah i could i could see the F- fair enough <laughs> Well, uh, that was I Wish I Were Blind. Uh, We will have to agree to disagree on that one. (laughs) And now we're going on to number 56, which is much more of a crowd pleaser.
And just a reminder, we're joined by Brent Johnson, political reporter for NJ.com and the Star-Ledger. Okay, uh, unless you've been living under a rock, you know that, that that number 56 is No Surrender from Born in the USA, 1984. And uh, this is obviously a big crowd pleaser. Uh, Springsteen plays this all the time. Um, and if it were not for all the other gigantic songs on Born in the USA, this might be one of the maybe even top 10 or 20 Springsteen songs as far as songs that people really know. There's like a ton of mythos behind this song, but uh, I'm curious to hear what you think. Brent. Well, it's, it's, um, I also have a weird relationship with Born in the USA. It was the first Springsteen album I bought. In full disclosure, my brother Brian, who's the guitarist in the Clyde's my band, we saw him on David Letterman's last show on NBC when he played Glory Days out of nowhere, was a surprise guest, and that made us want to pick up guitars. And we were like, who is this guy? And my mom was like, he's from New Jersey. He's Bruce Springsteen. You should get to know him. Uh, but I've always thought Born in the USA is an okay recorded album of really good songs. The arrangements are very 80s. Mm-hmm. They're, they're better live almost. There's more grit to the songs live. No Surrender Almost, you can imagine it being a Gaslight Anthem song now, yeah. like with that kind of energy. Yeah. But obviously in 1984, they weren't making, even even like an album like Purple Rain wasn't made right. with that kind of immediacy. Right. It was all about getting glossy production. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a really good song, a really great album, you mm-hmm. know, but it's become timeless since then because it's become a live staple. Um, right. You know, but if you look, if you look at Born in the USA, seven top ten tracks, yeah. and the, the I've read that the record label at first didn't think there was a hit single off it, yeah. and that's where he went and wrote "Dancing in the Dark" mm-hmm. to think that this could have. I mean, there, yeah. you could hear this be a top five single in 1985. Yeah, and it's funny because this song in particular almost didn't make it onto the album. See, I don't I don't, know that. Yeah, uh, there's themes in it that may may suggest like he was writing it about Miami Steve, Little Steven, Steven Van Zandt wasn't around. Uh, when they were cutting a lot of these songs, he was off doing his own solo thing, and that was the first time he'd been gone. And uh, he was the one that convinced Bruce to put it on the album because Bruce didn't think that it was uh, worthy of the album, which is obviously like ridiculous to consider now. But uh, yeah, Steve Van Zandt, thanks for that. And on to number, what are we on, 55? All right, 55, another studio outtake that is way older than me. For the coupe deluxe, chrome wheel stick shift. Hey! Give a gas by my clothes. Little girl on the corner like a diamond they shine. Someday, Billy, I'm gonna make them all mine. Hey, girl, you wanna ride daddy's Cadillac because I love the way you're long. Hey! Okay, so that was Seaside Bar Song, which uh, appeared first on tracks in 1998, uh, but was originally cut, I believe, in 73 with all the other stuff. Uh, Yeah, it looks like in fall of 73 at 914 Sound Studio in New York, again, where all all the stuff was was cut. uh, And the one one interesting thing I always noticed, besides it it being a fun song and the, the keyboard reminding me, sort of like an Elvis Costello meets like Keyboard Cat, uh, YouTube video uh, is the fact that the lyric uh, "The Highway Is Alive Tonight" uh, appears in the chorus of "The Ghost of Tom Joad," which huh. I don't think a lot of people ever put that together, um, or you hear it and you're like, "That sounds familiar." Um, but it's a, it's a fun song, and it was sort of like Springsteen trying out what "Born Born to Run" would be, like that sort of like the 
because this was cut with all the greeting stuff, but it does not sound like mm -hmm. any of the greeting stuff. Um, if you take the keyboard out, it actually sounds a lot more like something off of Born to Run. And the other thing I, I note, for a sec, I, I mentioned Billy Joel before. Elvis Costello is my other favorite singer-songwriter, and yeah, you can hear that organ sound, the Farfisa organ type yeah. sound of the 70s. It's just wonderful. But what a killer band he had at this time. And nothing to yeah. take away from Max Weinberg and uh -huh. Roy Bitton, but David Sanchez and Vinny Lopez mm -hmm. were killer musicians. They oh, were yeah. jazz musicians who added all kinds of coloring to these songs. Mm -hmm. And I love this. Clarence's sax in the back. It almost sounds like a bass guitar pumping yeah. through it. Uh, the riff kind of sounds like the song California Sun by the Rivieras, which was a hit oh, in the 60s. Oh, good one. And, um, Brent just, Johnson, everybody. Yeah, it's just fun. Like you yeah. said, it's it's one of those songs. When I bought 18 tracks, that was on 18 tracks. Uh -huh. And I was like, oh, holy crap, Like that's a really good song. And I was like, uh -huh. why didn't that make the record? And I uh -huh. could see why. Later, when I started putting albums with my band together by myself, you mm -hmm. can see when songs don't fit on a record. Yeah. But when you're little and you're like, oh, that's a great song. Why uh -huh. wasn't that on there? Why did I have to wait for this beige-colored compilation to come out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it is kind of an underwhelming uh, album cover, as, as many of his are, in my personal opinion. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that was Seaside Bar Song. Um, I don't have much more else to say about it. <laughs> um, so we're going to move on to number 54 which is another really old one. I came for you, for you, I came for you, but you did not need my urgency. I came for you, for you, I came for you, but your life was one long emergency, and your cloud liners, oh, my electric sturgeons. Okay, that was For You, uh, off of Greetings from Asbury Park, New Jersey, uh, 1973. I have always really enjoyed this song. I think that, well, for one thing, that for some context, uh, th this is pretty much about as many of the you or the unnamed woman in, in a lot of his songs were around that time, was about uh, supposedly about Diane Lozito, his girlfriend at the time, um, who had broken up with him or he broke up with her. This is a sort of a desperate young man kind of song and what i love about greetings maybe more than anything else like but besides the great songwriting is that he actually bruce actually sounds he was about like 23 ish when this came out and he actually sounds like a young man like once born to run happens like everything after that he just sounds like the man's man that's a good point yeah. uh and the stuff before that and like on growing up like he actually sounds like his age which i appreciate what one thing i always think about bruce is this is the same guy that wrote like I'm on fire a few yeah. like 10 years later which is a simple song mm -hmm. and these are like these weird sprawling Dylan like lyrics they almost sound like Bernie Taupin lyrics Elton John's lyricists they they sound cooler than they actually mean mm -hmm. like you know you know waiting for you at Be Bellevue yeah. with your oxygen mask on it's it's like a very vivid image although you, what the hell does yeah. that mean um, and that kind of stuff struck me as a kid it's something I do in my lyrics when I mm -hmm. write a song I don't necessarily care about meaning as much as what sounds cool? What mm -hmm. what phrases will you remember? And actually, musically, it almost sounds like a Billy Joel song, like yeah. very of its 1972-ish time. Yeah. Kind of like where Seaside Bar song sounds like the Jersey Shore. Right. This kind of sounds like a, the song you would have heard in a New York club in 1972. Yeah. Um, and again, great band, loose feeling to it, but very well played. If you love like Van Morrison, you you really love these early Springsteen albums because there's so much of like the phrasing and the way that everything's arranged is just channeling 
the Van Morrison stuff. Like everyone talks about Bob Dylan because like the record label is apparently trying to make him like the East Coast Bob Dylan or whatever. But that's the stuff that I I appreciate because I I do enjoy a good a yeah. good Van Morrison song. Yeah, as as well you should. As yeah, as well, as well should. I should. All right, next up, number fifty four, fifty three. What are we on? We are on number fifty three. Uh, which it, which is one of the kitschiest songs ever, but uh, and a favorite of another Star Ledger staffer, which I will talk about in a second. Okay, that is Wild Billy's Circus Story from the Wild, the Innocent, East Street Shuffle from 1973. And uh, first up, uh, big shout out, the biggest shout out of the entire episode to Gary Talent playing the tuba. Tuba. <laughs> Gotta love it. There's tuba to Bruce song. Yeah, the o- I'm pretty sure it's the only one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so th- this is just one of those songs that is... W- one of a kind, and it, and it's so specific to Springsteen because one, who else would think to write this like ballad of the circus worker, like uh, God save the human cannonball or whatever? Um, and it's also plucked straight from his life. Uh, there was a circus that used to come to Freehold, where he's from, obviously. And back in nineteen seven or in the fifties and sixties, when he was a kid, Freehold was basically the woods. <laughs> uh, there wasn't a whole lot there. Um, so when the circus came through, it was a big deal and it like mesmerized him. His mom would take him to like meet the, the giant dude and you'd pay 50 cents and you get to like take the ring off the dude's finger and put it back on. He had this like giant hand. Springsteen's talked about it before. And, uh, there, and he just wanted to make this weird song. And because Gary Talon had played tuba in high school, I think. And then you had, uh, Dan, Danny Federici on, the accordion, uh, another big shout out to all the accordion players out there. <laughs> and uh, it's just one of those weirdo songs. And it's a personal favorite of NJ.com food writer Pete Genovese. I can see that. Yeah. Uh, again, my favorite album because of songs like this. Uh-huh. Uh, it's so evocative. It sounds like the circus. There's, It doesn't really fit a musical structure. It kind of veers all over the place. And again, w- when I was a kid, this struck the hell out of me. I, I remember... A shout out to Ricky Henney, who was one of my really good friends in high school, who bought me this album. We used to go to Rutgers basketball games together, and my family would take him. And as a thank you gift for Christmas one year, he bought me Wild and Innocent on CD. That is the most New Jersey story that's ever been told. Yes. So so we would go with Ricky, and he bought me this. And I just sat transfixed with my old disc man in the car listening to these songs. And this song in particular, it was like, it, I, it's like Tom Waits, but more accessible almost. Yeah. And... Um, you know, th- this is what I loved about Bruce, that he never really did much of again, maybe later in the mm-hmm. Seeger sessions where he did these kind of songs that are so strange yeah. and so distinct and evocative. Everyone loves his rock and stuff and loves his live act, but you got to go back to those first records. And listen, this guy was a master song craftsman, not just a rock and roller. Yeah, completely. And uh, yeah, and all I'm all for Bruce doing weird stuff, especially <laughs> back then. Uh, I'm not, th- that being said, like, 
a lot of people, well, the new album Western Stars, which is sort of a weird thing too, uh, with all the Glenn Campbell sort of production, like I personally do not like that very much. Um, and I've been very, very uh, vocal about it. It's, but, it's, it's an ant album, yeah, let's be honest. It's, yeah. Everybody seems to like it, but it's like, okay, he did this, uh-huh. write something else. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that was Wild Billy's Circus Story, originally called uh, The Circus Song, was written well before Springsteen was even famous uh, and is weirdly poetic uh, about bearded ladies and whatever else is at the circus. <laughs> All right, we got two more. This is the penultimate track, another outtake. Uh, we are at number 52, and here we go. Okay, that was Bring On The Night from Tracks, the gigantic box set from 1998. And it's another song with uh, the word night in it. There's got to be, I don't even know how many of those. Night, those night. Night, night and fire. Night and fire and lyrics about Springsteen not being able to sleep or waking up from a dream. Yeah. That's uh, that's how you get bingo in Bruce Springsteen bingo. <laughs> um, but anyway, this song, I love the urgency on it, the way the hook sort of accelerates. Like This was a song that was... Uh, yeah, a river outtake. Uh, no one had ever heard this before in 1998, unless you were like some crazy super fan. Um, and it was recorded at the Power Station in New York in 1979. And uh, it's just one of those killer songs. Again, another song that I wish would have made it onto the river instead of uh, Cadillac Ranch or Ramrod. Ramrod or I'm a Rocker or probably those three. The other oh, ones are. Okay. Uh, it's a little bit of. Like in songwriting, it seems like a chorus in search of a song. A chorus yeah. is killer, and it's one of those yeah. killer good, Bruce good choruses. Good point. Um, it, and again, going back to Elvis Costello, at that point they were they were actually have kind of parallel careers. Um, they both were hitting their strides in the late seventies, and were kind of like tossing off all these songs. I'm mm-hmm. sure they forgot about them once they wrote them. Mm-hmm. And it, again, not as catchy as Little White Lies, but a pretty really strong song that could have made the record. Yeah, you know, it's a, a reminds me of a song on the river, which is really good, and mentions your hometown, uh, Jackson Cage. Oh yeah, which is a great song. That Don't tell people where I live, Brent. <laughs> which, which is a great song that is has a great verse and a great chorus, mm-hmm. which I think is slightly better than this song. But you can see why this song is is charming. I like your point on the uh, it's a chorus in search of a song. Um, I'm sure. There's plenty of Clyde songs that have... There's plenty of Clyde songs that should should have been just chorus. Yeah. (laughs) All right, see ya. Yeah. Good night, And I I will make one one bit of caution that your chair will shock you if you mention Elvis Costello again. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, the chair is... I I mentioned it more than Billy Joel, which is is not par for the chorus. Yeah, okay. And so that was Bring on the Night. Uh, Great song. I love it. Brent just likes it. That's fine. Um, so, and we are on to the last one of the episode, number 51, which is a song that pretty much every Springsteen fan knows. And if you don't, you're not a real fan.
Okay, that that is Out in the Street from The River, 1980, of course. And uh, one of my personal favorites off The River. I feel like we've had a lot of river-ish stuff in this episode. But that this one's my favorite at number 51. Shout out to Bernie Williams, number 51. Go Yankees. <laughs> um, and uh, so this is the song that almost got Max Weinberg fired. Did you is know that? that? No, yeah. I didn't know that yeah. at all. Yeah. yeah. Um, What's the story? So, so the story is that Max was playing, you know, like trying to lay down all these a million different tracks from the river and they'd been on the road now for pretty much nonstop for four years with Max Weinberg. And uh, so he'd gotten into this like way of drumming, like just in the pocket, but, but not really on the beat. I'm sure you, you've probably had, mm-hmm. you probably had that when you get in the, when you guys get in the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he couldn't like he was getting tired from playing all the songs that Springsteen was writing. In addition to the issues with road playing versus uh, trying to play to a click track or whatever, so uh, Springsteen pretty much told him, "Get your stuff together or else." Hmm. Yeah, Max is a really good drummer, real solid drummer, perfect for live shows. As I said, Vinny Lopez was more stylistic and added a bit more color. Um, but that said, I mean, this is a quintessential Springsteen song. That intro alone, the ding ding ding, just I mean. Songwriters live yeah. would die for for an intro like that, and then you know the great chorus, and it's fantastic live. It's which is sometimes um, Springsteen songs either sound really good live or sound either really good in the studio. This is kind of both. Mm-hmm. It's um you know it's just a really solid song, and it's it's something that Bruce has done very well throughout his career, writing just really solid songs. Yeah, and uh, the the solo from from Clarence that's like that's like one of those like huge solos that you just kind of want to like live in for like a for like a couple of minutes and just like let it sort of melt your brain Mm -hmm. out in the street almost got max weinberg fired (laughs) he there's actually a great quote from uh brian hyatt's book he said when he was talking to springsteen he said what comes to mind is the springs is the prison movie scared straight because right away from that moment on i played 50 percent better Okay, well, that was uh, that was ten songs. That this we are coming to the end of Springsteen Time seventy, and we're gonna hit a uh, a Springsteen trivia question r- real quick. That I'm gonna, Brent, I'm gonna give you the question. You're gonna give me which answer you think is right, and I will reveal the answer on the next episode. You're gonna have to wait nice. because this is all leading up to Springsteen's birthday, uh, which is September twenty third, and him turning seventy years old. In which hospital, in which New Jersey hospital, was Springsteen born on September 23rd, 1949? Now, Community Medical Center in Toms River, Jersey Shore University Medical Center in Neptune, Centra State Hospital in Freehold, or Monmouth Medical Center in Long Branch? My guess would be Monmouth Medical Center in Long Branch. Okay. Well, we will see if, uh, if you're correct next time. Um, and so Brent, thank you very much. Always great to talk Springsteen and thank you, Bobby. And yeah. Uh, so where, where are the Clydes playing next? We have a show in Milford, Pennsylvania coming up. Where are they playing in New Jersey next? We have uh, the next show we have (laughs) is an acoustic show at Espresso Joe's on August 10th in Keyport, which is right there. Very Springsteen territory. Okay. You know, and you can come hear our songs. Okay. That was me and Brent Johnson. Follow Brent for all your political news and the occasional uh, musical musing. Uh, at johnsb01 on Twitter. And thank you guys for listening. Tune in next time.